Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, July 8th, 2021. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. We got another loaded episode of WrestleRant Radio here today, but for the first time in a long time, Alexis is here, and not Mr. Marceau, my girlfriend Alexis, on our uh, second day of our anniversary. Long story. We told it in Wednesday's hashtag AskGSM episode. She's going to be on the show here today to help me break down last night's Road Rager edition of Dynamite, which was such a good show. A lot to talk about coming out of it, including the um, AEW debut of the former Aleister Black, now Malachi Black. We have a lot to say about that and so much more. Um, it consists of the entire episode, essentially. So we have that in the back half of today's WrestleRant Radio. To start off, though, is my exclusive interview with WWE Raw superstar Eva Marie. Talking about her comeback, the women's division, what she was up to in her absence, um, the fact that she was supposed to come back before WrestleMania. She gave me the exclusive on that, and so much other stuff. So you're going to enjoy that conversation, and a lot of people have their own perceptions of Eva Marie and whatever. Um, but as a person, she could not have been nicer. So, and I, I appreciate her sharing the article as well because it did go up an article, uh, you know, that version as well on Bleach Report on Monday, so check that out, and the audio is going to be played here on today's episode of Wrestle Rant Radio. Um, before we go any further, though, you can check out new episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode on Thursdays. And again, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, Mr. Marceau will be back next week. Commitments did prevent him from appearing this week. Uh, we miss you, Mr. Marceau. Hopefully, we'll have you back here on the show next Thursday. Until then, guys, enjoy my exclusive conversation with WWE Raw superstar, Eva Marie. Hey, Eva, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing excellent. Today we're talking Monday Night Raw. Obviously, you've been on the show the last couple of weeks, coming back about a month ago. Being back for the last couple of weeks after five years away, how's it been back? I mean, how's it been for you being back the last couple of weeks, still trying to find your footing, stuff like that? Oh, my gosh. It has been incredible. I mean, I'm back on the best show in the world, uh, which is pretty incredible. And the fact that, you know, I've, I've been away for five years and to come back and start the evolution uh, you know, bring on the heat. Let's go. Did you ever think this day would come after being away for five years? Was it always more a matter of when than if you would be back in WWE? Oh, 1000%. You know, uh, I absolutely love WWE. I've been, uh, they've been such a great support for me. Even the, the five years that I've been away, you know, um, I have so much admiration, respect and love for Vince, Stephanie and, and Hunter because uh, they gave me my shot. They gave me mm -hmm. a, ago and then you know started my career and then they've also been super supportive of everything that I've done on the outside of WWE and I just knew it wasn't a matter of uh if it was just a matter of when um when Eva Marie was going to come back into the company and I'm glad that it's now 
And you said it right there. You've been up to so much in the last five years that you've been gone from the company. It wasn't like you just left and have been doing nothing in the last five years. You've been heavily involved right. with the fitness and acting and stuff like that. Has it been like an adjustment period? Because mm-hmm. you were in WWE the first time around for quite a while, like three or four years. So going off, doing mm-hmm. other stuff, still obviously physical related and whatnot. Was it like an adjustment period for you a little bit or not really? Was it like kind of just coming back like a duck to water type of thing? You know what? It, it's kind of like... Um one of those things where I'm so fortunate that I got to start my career in WWE because I truly believe that if you can handle being in WWE, then it sets you up for everything else. Mm-hmm. Like doing TV and doing film is like a walk in the park because WWE, you know, I'm on Monday Night Raw um, or at the time SmackDown, it's, it's live. It's a live show. So if you don't know what you're doing, um, good luck. You know, it's TV and film. You can cut, redo, um, a different angle, you know, you're, you're taking so many different takes with WWE. There is no off season. Um, mm. There is no video. It's, it's for your plan. So if, if you're able to handle that, and I always say this, I always give credit because WWE superstars are the baddest athletes in the entire world mm. for sure. Hands down, just because uh, there is no off season, they're traveling consistently 290 days when we are on the road, which we are going back in a couple of weeks, which is freaking amazing. Um, and you know, you have to be diligent with not only your nutrition, but your workouts. And then also you're, you're dealing with different time zones and scheduling and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, they're, they're the best in the world at what they do. Yeah. I mean, like you said too, the timing for you has got to be perfect because we've been like in this pandemic period for like a year and a half. Now you're coming back at the very tail end of it. So like you're coming back just in time for the fans to return in like literally two or three weeks, which has got to be cool for you. And for you specifically, I mean, right before you left, obviously with the fan reaction and the amount of heat you were getting and stuff like that, has it been weird for you to be back in like the Thunderdome, no fans to kind of feed off the last couple of weeks? So, you know what? It's really, I'm so happy that I was able to experience the Thunderdome just because mm-hmm. I feel WWE's done a fantastic job in the sense of creating um, such a cool environment when, you know, with the trons and then the fans being able to, you know, see themselves on screen watching at home and stuff like that. And then obviously watching the program at home, you know, you get like kind of a, a 3D vibe as well, which I think they've done fantastic. Plus, um, me getting to experience it just as like the entertainer is also awesome because now in uh, I think now two weeks, July 16th is when we take off our first kind of, you know, mini little tour in mm-hmm. Texas from SmackDown to money in the bank to Monday night raw uh, to really have the WWE universe back in seats. It's going to be wild because that's the whole, I mean, it's the best show in the world. So the fact that you can't really feed off of prawns, you feed off the energy of the yeah. crowd, the booze, the cheers, um, you know, that's what makes being a WWE superstar kind of the best feeling in the world is, is the fans, the fans make it. Yeah, no, you've, you said it right there. Absolutely. For sure. And that you kind of had the best of both worlds. Cause you get to experience it for like a couple of weeks, but not totally. like a full, you know, year and a half. So you get to totally. go back in front of the fans. Totally. So it, it's, it's great timing. And you mentioned earlier how WWE, your initial stint kind of prepared you for everything that you did uh, successfully outside of the company before coming back this past year. Uh, like I know a lot of people when they're either leaving WWE or wrestling in general, it's hard for them to like keep up with the product, not just the company, but just wrestling in general, because you're not doing it. So it's hard to like watch it 
without having like, cause you obviously mm-hmm. miss it. Like you want to do it, stuff like that. So when you're away for five years, are you watching the product consistently? Is it like a, I'll keep tabs. Cause obviously you still have a lot of friends in the company too. So for that, for sure. you, what was that kind of process like? Yeah, I feel like it goes in ebbs and flows, you know, am I watching it at first, you know, it was kind of one of those things where uh, you obviously throughout the five years, you're keeping tabs because it's just a part of you. Once you're in the company, once you've experienced it, once you've tasted it, um, you're forever just, it's a part of you. So, um, you know, there would be stints where, you know, I got hooked on a certain storyline, so I wanted to tune in. Or, uh, you know, I just make sure that I'm keeping tabs, especially when titles are changing and and things of of that nature. And then, of course, um, you know, once it it gets interesting, then you're tuning in every single week. But regardless, uh, there was never a moment in time where I wasn't paying attention to what exactly was going on in Mm -hmm. in the company. Because, you know, you always got to keep your eyes because it was one of those things where I knew I was coming back. It was just a matter of when. So, uh I wanted to see what was going on and, and what things that I can shake up because that's the whole point is the evolution is back. So I, I want to create the biggest buzz um, and stir up the, stir up that locker room as best as I possibly can. And I think that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And, it, and it's crazy too, to see from when you left five years ago to the landscape that you're kind of coming back to with raw and how different everything is in the company just in general, but specifically with, with the women's division. And we talk about timing and stuff like that. Like you were involved with the picture at WrestleMania 32. That was one of your, that was your last mania. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was on the pre-show. It was the 10 woman tag team match. That was like your return to the main roster. That was like the dawn of what we've called like the women's evolution in WWE. So you were involved in that leave right before it kind of kicks off. Like the first ever women's rumble, the first ever money, the bank ladder match, stuff like that. So what have you noticed about, like the biggest differences in the company and coming back because you were there during the whole total divas era like you obviously were on the first season of the show so how what have you noticed like the biggest differences and stuff since being back you know i feel like it's just one of those things and that's why you know i'm back with the evolution because it kind of started right when i had left Mm -hmm. and i think that's what's, what's pretty incredible is you have i mean since i've been gone you have women main eventing and mm-hmm. you have women doing things that, that weren't done prior. And that's what it's all about. It's all about uh, creating those storylines and, and kind of showcasing what the women can do. And that's what I'm excited about, you know, bringing, bringing an element that is stirring up kind of those storylines and kind of mixing it back into the drama, the, the soap opera the the reason why you tune in because you're so curious to see why or what certain characters are going to do week to week that's the whole point of um the show you know bringing smiles on on people's faces or also bringing a smile on the wwe universe's face when they see the smile online get smacked off you know (laughs) so um that's that's the whole goal And, and that's what i'm really excited about because now you have that opportunity. Last Monday night on Monday Night Raw, the late evolution, look what happened. Every single girl in the locker room was booked on the card. Yep. So you had all the girls featured. And that's what is what's amazing. You know, I made a little comment um, saying, you know, that's what, that's what happened when the evolution is back. <laughs> you know, we're all getting booked. So yeah. um, that's what I'm excited about, you know, stirring it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. The best, the best thing on TV shows, on movies, what we all look for 
at least what I look for, you know, there's always got to be a villain and I'm real, I'm willing to uh, wear that hat. And I think I wear it pretty damn well. Definitely. And I love the fact that you're continuing the evolution stuff and you're kind of going off what you were doing right before you left five years ago. Cause people could say whatever they want that gimmick that you were doing before sure. you left, where it was like, listen, I'm sick or whatever. I can't have my match. Like it was such a great gimmick. And I think it fit you to a T right before you left. And like, before we finally got to see you in the ring was when you had to go off and do movies and stuff like that. So continuing that, which was what we've seen from your debut in the last couple of weeks has been perfect. So that was obviously a conscious decision to kind of continue along the same lines of what you were doing before you left. Right. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's, it's one of those things where regardless of, of what the WWE universe wants to say, um they're always going to have something positive or negative creatively on, on what I do when I come back mm-hmm. so my whole goal is to stir it up and make it fun and um have them talking just an insane amount and that's what they're doing they are going crazy and I love it and the fact that I get to see them actually in person I'm like let's go let's do this <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the funny thing right now, too, is that you you guys are getting the reaction from fans, not in the building. I mean, obviously, again, like you said, we will be in a couple of weeks, but like just social media right now. So like you make your re-debut yeah. on Raw and you're only getting that reaction from fans online. So when obviously you were the first in the company, Twitter was around, like it was kind of getting started in 2013, 2014, whatever. I don't know if it was as big as it is today, um, but what have you seen? How have you seen the fan base change and like their reaction to stuff that you've done? Is it better have you not gotten as much toxicity in the last you know compared to five years ago is it the same is it worse what have you noticed in the last month since you've been back you know what i think that it's one of those things where it's more so because i'm also um putting way more out there on social media as far as my character as well so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm adding fuel to the fire because that's what it that's what it's about obviously the the fans are on twitter and online as well more so than they were like 2013, because like you said, it kind of was just like kind of starting out a little bit, even though they were, but now it's very heavily, uh, I feel like it's, it's grown so much. So it's fun because it's, I get to add to the show, which then makes more people want to tune in to see what happens. You know, I think that it, it really is a, a cool kind of way to continue the dialogue continue the evolution, continue to have people tuning in, even to my social, follow me, see what I'm going to do because you never know whether it's, what am what is she going to wear? Like I have, (laughs) uh, you know, I walk in, I I walk in every Monday as a superstar. So Mm -hmm. I have Eva style Tuesdays because obviously on Mondays it's a live show. So we're very much, I'm, I'm focused in on, on what I'm doing that night. But then the following day I'll throw up what I wore, my, my, my showcase, my style, but it's one of those things that I feel I want to bring the WWE universe into what is this? What is she doing? What is she going to do today? Type of feel. And, um, and that's what's fun about online is that you're able to kind of bring them with you, whether it's an IG story or a tweet or something like that. And mm-hmm. I think that's cool. No, that's a great, that's a great way to look at it too, because there's only so much television time with raw and with whatever, really. So like you only have so much time to develop your character from an on-air standpoint. So having that social media edge and whatever, you know, like you said, it gives people an extra, you know, motivation to get invested in your character, what you're doing, get to know who you are and stuff like you, like you said. So uh, that's a great way to look at it. it, Yeah, no, 100%. 
Definitely. And I mean, in the last five years too, and you mentioned being a great villain and you are now, you were right before you left five years ago. Um, was there a point, whether it be when you went back to NXT to kind of work on things or coming back to the main roster or whenever, where the criticism doesn't get to you as much and you're like, like you said, you kind of take it in stride. That means I'm doing something right. Or like, does it still affect you mm -hmm. to a certain extent? What's your like relationship with that criticism? I love it. You know, um, first going into the company, obviously everything is so brand new. So you're yep. kind of trying to take everything with stride. And at the same time, um, you know, I was brand new to social media, brand new to WWE, brand new to Total Divas. So you're taking certain things and, and trying to learn as you go. Um, now that I've experienced so much, um, even outside the company, you know, I take everything in stride. And, and the fact that any type of criticism to me, I'm like, good, I'm doing my job. Mm -hmm. um, because no matter what you have to think no one is going to be happy. Like you're not going to appease every single person. So if you're taking certain things to heart, then um, you shouldn't be in entertainment. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you got to have some, uh, an element. And I love my character. I love this company. I love my job. I love the fact that I get to go out there and uh, play it up. And the fact that people are talking about it, then I'm doing my job correctly. And, mm -hmm. and it, it, it just like fuels me um good bad or indifferent so it, it doesn't any criticism that i get it really doesn't bother me mm -hmm. yeah, so that's why just... i'm like wwe universe bring on bring on the heat baby if you want to have those <laughs> uh if you want to have some even marie section where you know in nxt it was amazing there's sections where um, people you know were basically <laughs> you know trying to boom me out of the building so yeah. i hope I, I welcome that. Yeah, no, it's funny that you say that too, because that NXT run specifically, because it is such an like an intimate atmosphere at Full Sail University, yeah. which unfortunately NXT yeah. has been deprived of during the pandemic without fans. But like, it's such a great atmosphere with that type of thing. And me and my producer were talking oh right before you, you guys called oh. in, like with the match with Bailey and the few that you guys had was so perfect. Because like, you were like mm -hmm. such a great foil for her and, and the NXT fans. It's such a fun time. I know we're going back five, six years here, but that was such a good feud. And hopefully we get to see that same chemistry with you and other women of the roster right now. Um, and, and kind of going off of that in your time away leading up to your return, because we've heard rumblings leading up to your debut that you were probably on your way back. That was a while ago. And then obviously you came back in yeah. April. Was there anyone that you were working with extensively to kind of prepare you for your in-ring return? Or was it kind of something you were focusing on by yourself? Um, you know, what? it was one of those things that was a, a, a combination. I mean, obviously when I, when I was coming back, you know, I frequently went back to Orlando to the performance center, um, you know, and I love, uh, coach Smiley, Norman, Norman is like the man. Um, so, you know, I was going back to Orlando to work out and, and kind of train and get ready for my, uh, my return and things of that nature. But I'm always pretty consistent in, in my training. That way, you know, at least I can handle the, the cardio once I get back in, in, inside the ring. And then I was just in Orlando this last week, um, or actually yesterday. It's kind of crazy how we were trying to get back to a normal, normal on the road schedule. So I forget where I'm at. Um, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you just kind of, kind of, Constantly stay ready. And I think that's the, the nature of the beast to, to anybody, it's especially if you want to do something or you want to shoot for your dream, is always work each day towards it, whatever that may be. You know, even if it's just getting a workout in or eating healthy, um, because when the phone rings and, and it's your time, you don't want to say, oh, my God, do I hopefully I have, you know, 
a month or two to prepare. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things like it's game time. And it's, it's one of those things where WWE is that type of company where you better always be ready because if you're not, then you're going to lose your shot. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, yeah, I was just going to say, kind of going off what you just said right there. So, like, with the process of you coming back to WWE and the many months that it had been rumored and stuff like that, was there at any point, like, a time where you thought you would be back? Like, let's say the Women's Rumble, for example, but then it got delayed until after mm. WrestleMania. Or for you, was the, was the idea always to come back after Mania? So, you know what? It's funny because it's always – there's always so many, so many things where creatively, story-wise, there are so many – things where I was going to come back before mania, then I wasn't and it was just timing is everything and making sure that it made sense. So, um, that's kind of, kind of where it was at, you know, where I thought I was returning a lot sooner and then it just, it kind of didn't make sense. And then, uh, you know, mania wasn't really the right moment. And then right after mania wasn't either. So it was (laughs) just kind of one of those things where, um, it was just kind of looking for that right little slot to kind of insert uh, the storyline and kind of create it and start it, you know? And so, you know, I'm happy with the fact that I got to experience just a little, like a short little nugget of the Thunderdome, because obviously for me, the fans feel me. And I really think that um, there's nothing more fulfilling than actually seeing a full packed house. That's why SummerSlam, I'm like, yo, I better be on that card. It's August 21st. It's the first time that actually full capacity in uh, in an actual NFL stadium for SummerSlam 2. It'll mm-hmm. be the first time um, that's going down as well. So that's what's exciting is to actually see the fans in, in, in the seats to look out and feel that energy. There's nothing like it. That's why it's the best show in the world. Oh, it's going to be amazing too. In SummerSlam, it's so perfect. Yeah. I think one of your final matches was going to be at SummerSlam and then it just didn't work out for whatever I reason. Know. So now that's you're going to be back at SummerSlam. Totally. So, yeah, I it know. works out perfectly. And, and I it, love it, that you brought. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm so I'm so sorry, but I love the fact that you brought up my NXT. Like my Bailey is honestly one of you know my favorite people to work with thus far. Um, obviously, I haven't been able to experience storylines and and such with you know other girls, but mm-hmm. for that moment in time, just that story, um, just because Bailey is so giving. You know, I learned so much by doing that storyline with her um, from a wrestling standpoint and just creatively and stuff like that. So, uh, and and everything that she's doing right now, I love. That's why, shoot, yes, I'm the face of Monday Night Raw, but I have no problem. I want to go over there and be on her little ding dong show (laughs) and uh, have a few few words with her too, you know? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully before long. No problem. Yeah, no, hopefully before long, we get to see that as well. There's so many people that you can work with. And final question for you as we wind down, like kind of just going off that people you want to work with goals that you have kind of take me through the goals of Eva Marie and who you want to work with going forward. I mean, the goal is the evolution is here. So I definitely want to be, you know, WWE champ. I want to wear, you know, I have to have that title around my waist. And Mm -hmm. especially now that we have women's tag team titles, I'll take those too. Hamlin to do drop. No problem um and just kind of stir up the entire division from raw to smackdown i think that uh you know there's time to kind of mix it up cause some commotion and i think i'm already doing that um and the girls are fantastic so to be able to jump into a storyline with bailey again shoot or you know what 
Becky Lynch too. I was mm-hmm. in a storyline with her before I left as well um, from SmackDown. So to start another feud with her would be fantastic as well. But I mean, the, the entire division is stacked. So I'd be more than thrilled to, to jump into a storyline with anybody. Rhea's awesome. Bianca Blair, Savage. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I'm so glad you brought up the Becky Lynch thing too, because that was, it's going to be such, it was cool back like five years ago, but it's going to be such a different dynamic when Becky's back and you being here as well with kind of like the new evolution oh, and whatever. Sure. It's going to be awesome. Oh, so, and especially in front of fans, it, it's got to happen at some point. So hopefully at it's some gotta, point, I mean, it's, I'm putting it out one, I'm with you. I'm putting it out in the <laughs> universe right now, just because, um, you know, the man come back because, you know, the woman is ready. So let's go. <laughs> The tagline sells itself. So hopefully at some point we get to see it, but people can catch you every Monday night on raw USA network, uh, hopefully at money, in the bank SummerSlam as well with fans coming back. Eva, this has been great. Thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Big thanks to Eva for the time. Thoroughly enjoyed it. You can check out the interview as well in article form over on Bleach Report that went up on Monday. Now I'm going to throw it to my conversation with the one, the only, the illustrious, the amazing, my girlfriend, Alexis. Um, Alexis, you're back here on WrestleRant Radio for the first time again in probably close to a year. What's going on? Nothing much. I think this is bullshit that I haven't been on in a year. Bullshit. bullshit. Are you swearing? You're two seconds into the show and you're already swearing. That's right. It's ridiculous. Oh my God. Well, at any rate, we're glad to have you back here on the show. And when I say glad, I mean, when I say we, I mean, I am. So <laughs> thank you for joining me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just want to get your thoughts a little bit because Mr. Marceau could not make it this week. This is the first time in close to a year that Mr. Marceau could not make the show. RJ, how dare you? We're and, both offended. <laughs> he is busy today. And with that being said, um, he, this is the first time, I believe, since October that he has not been here on the show. Unbelievable. Which is a long time. Before yeah. that, you would have to go back since before the pandemic. He's only missed a show or two since we started doing it at the beginning of COVID. So that's saying quite a bit. But um, yeah, no, I'm very happy to have you here on the show today. Later on, we are checking out Black Widow. I know mm-hmm. this isn't wrestling related. But, um, you know, getting the Thursday night preview, which is cool for night two of her anniversary. Uh, what are you anticipating about that? What are you looking forward to about Black Widow tonight? Um, I'm intrigued because, like, I know I know a woman is directing it, so I'm excited to see, like, how her character is portrayed. And I know it's going to be portrayed in a more independent and just a, a better way than she's been portrayed in like the older older movies i know that the newer movies she's been portrayed a little bit better um i don't really care about her character as much but like now i don't know recently i've been just interested to check it out so i'm pretty excited yeah i'm looking forward to it it's the first marvel movie since far from home two years ago almost exactly actually we caught that movie right before fourth of july also right before, um, you know, when it came out. I think we caught it on the Wednesday that it came out. So that was exactly two years ago. And we've been catching up with the shows. WandaVision we watched. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier I watched. And we've been currently watching Loki. You're at the sneeze. There we go. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, what have your thoughts been on the show so far this year? On both of them? On the shows that you've seen, yes. WandaVision is incredible. Probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. I wish it was more seasons. Obviously, it shouldn't be more seasons it's good as one mm-hmm. um love the style it reminds me of the twilight zone or just it gives me like twilight zone black mirror vibes like sci-fi just something's not right here kind of um loki is definitely like one of the greatest shows i've ever seen it was so good 
um, or it is so good because we still have another episode left. Um, I love watching his character development. I love all the characters. I love Mobius. Mm-hmm. Um, I could say what I call him now, but you don't like that. No, it's weird. <laughs> it's a joke. It's weird. <laughs> um, I, I'm excited to see where the final episode is going to go. I'm really excited. We have one episode left. Mm-hmm. That being next week, and today we have Black Widow. Again, this is not wrestling-related at all, but we have discussed non-wrestling-related things here on the show before. I want to get your two cents on that. And we did we did discuss, cheap plug, our top five favorite Marvel movies on hashtag AskGSM on Wednesday, mm-hmm. right? So be sure to go out of your way to check that out. It's a great listen. Um, but yeah, so before we go any further, that's what I wanted to discuss. But here in today's show, basically why I wanted to have you on was get your thoughts on last night's Road Rager edition of Dynamite. The first full episode of AEW you've seen in quite some time. We talked about the state of AEW um, yesterday on mm-hmm. hashtag your thoughts on the company so far in 2021. Obviously, we watch Raw together every week. Uh-huh. We catch SmackDown most weeks. We'll get to Raw and other related thoughts pertaining to that stuff a little bit later on. Um, but as far as Dynamite goes from last night, and we haven't really talked about, um, you know, we haven't done RJ and I even. We haven't done full in-depth breakdowns of Dynamite, just because there really hasn't been a lot going on for the last couple of months, I would say, since Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. But you caught, you caught last night's show. Overall, before we get down to each segment and match from the show, what were your thoughts on it? The first show back in front of fans, too. One of my favorite shows I've ever seen from them. Wow. I mean, I, mean, I haven't seen a lot of them, so not including pay-per-views, of course. Okay. Um, But it was definitely one of my favorite Dynamites I've ever seen, Um, and that includes the... Ironically enough, the first show without fans was one of the greatest shows I've seen from them, and one of the and the first show back on the road was also one of the greatest. Wow. Okay. Um. Yeah. It was just it was entertaining. Um. There were a lot of great matches. I actually, you know, it actually inclined me to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I know is like something on my part too. Yep. Not just Dynamite's fault. That's your fault. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was a good show. And how much of a difference did getting back... And again, we've had fans before at Daly's Place for the last few months, a limited crowd, but in having a full capacity crowd back in attendance for the show last night, how much of a difference did that make, in your opinion? Oh, my God. Like, I noticed last night, I was like, wow, it's it's not quiet. Like, there's no silence at all. Like, mm-hmm. there's always sound. And you never really realize that until... They don't have any fans. Then you notice how quiet it is, how awkward, how you can hear everything the wrestlers are doing and saying. Um, and it really makes a difference. It, like, you could tell the wrestlers had so much more energy. Like, they were feeding off of the crowd, even if they didn't try to. And it, it really just added that, like, fifth dimension to the whole thing. Yeah. No, it definitely did. They're like the other element of the show like mm-hmm. without them there really is no show and that goes yeah. for AEW that goes for WWE and we discussed yesterday when we were doing the AEW breakdown of 2021 how a lot like with NXT and I don't know if I said this on the show or said to, said to you this uh, said this to you privately but um the crowd I think was the biggest element missing from the shows yeah. from the last year and as good as some of the shows are they haven't exactly felt must see because I feel like a big appeal of the NXT and AEW shows is the audience, is the hot crowd. Um, that is really what separates these shows from, let's say, a Raw or a SmackDown, which even with fans in attendance, they don't have that same, not must-see feel, but like that same vibe. That you know what same I'm saying? like intimacy that the, that the fans have with 
yep. the wrestlers in those type of shows. Because those shows are, like, more wrestling fans. Like, if you watch NXT you watch AEW, you're more of a wrestling fan. Because mm-hmm. they have, like, it's just a fact. They have the better wrestling on those shows. Um, and then, like, Raw and SmackDown is more, like, characters, promos, like, just stuff like that that's not as hardcore fans it's more for like kids families and people mm-hmm. who have watched for a long time yeah yeah no i completely agree i mean it's one of those things too where compared to raw and smackdown it is definitely a different dynamic and a mm-hmm. different demographic with the people they attract and the people that have been watching for a long time so um yeah no i'm glad we got that back last night and i think the people in attendance were definitely loud they were rowdy and they made the moments that mattered most matter most and oh, we'll get yeah. into that we'll get yeah. into that in a moment so to kick off the show, we had a South Beach strap match, which I think was honestly maybe the sixth or seventh strap match that I have seen in wrestling in the last year. And they don't do them often, but in the last year alone, for whatever reason, during the pandemic era of wrestling, they did quite a bit of them. Mm-hmm. They just did one a couple of weeks ago with Dustin Rhodes and Nick Camarado. They did a dog collar match, which was similar, but not exactly the same, with uh, actually Cody Rhodes as well and Brody Lee late last year. They just had one on Raw with Jackson Riker and Elias. They had a couple in NXT with Dexter Loomis, Roderick Strong, and Cameron Grimes. Um, they've done quite a bit of them. They had another one last night with Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. The goal of this one was not to pin your opponent, but smack all four turnbuckle posts, which has been the goal of strap matches before. Um, and and not, not the ones we've seen recently. It is mm-hmm. kind of something different. Um, this is a feud. I could not give two shits about. I could not give two fucks about QT Marshall. I cannot emphasize that enough. I don't care about The him. guy is terrible. The guy's awful, um, in my opinion. But, you know, I thought it was a good match. The crowd was into it. They were super into Cody. They don't give a shit whenever QT Marshall was on offense. But um, the match was good. So what were your thoughts on the match itself? And it, it kind of goes to what you were saying yesterday. It's kind of another example of AEW doing that oh, we're going to take this feud that should have been blown off a couple of months ago and just continue to do it for no reason. I know. So clearly they were just killing time to build to what's next for Cody, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but your thoughts on the match itself? Um, the fans were clearly silent when QT Marshall was on the offense, like you said. Um, and you also made a comment. You said on the first show without fans, Cody came out. But it, it wasn't for a match. It was for like the promo. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were hoping he was going to say something this time, but you know, he didn't, mm-hmm. um, he just had a match, but it, it was still pretty cool. And then, I mean, I didn't really care about it. I'm going to be honest. Wow. I, the crowd was pretty hot, which was nice. Um, but it was fine for what it was. His, I just, I don't like Cody's gimmick. I just think it's cringy. So like the whole American dream shit. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think the whole reason I thought the whole reason why they were doing that is because, Anthony Agogo is English, and that was the whole... I mean, first of all, that was dumb, too. The whole mm-hmm. England versus America thing. Um, but they leaned into it for that. That's not an element anymore. Anthony Agogo wasn't even there. I think he got hurt or something, so he's not even there right now. Why is he still doing the whole overly American thing? I know he's trying to emulate his dad, but I just don't think it's necessary either, in my opinion. Oh, that's what he's trying to do? I think. I mean, he kind of mentioned being the American dream going into Double or Nothing, but that was like Memorial Day weekend, and given the nature of the story, I is, get it. Is that what his dad is called or something? Like, the American I, Dream. Dusty Rhodes is the American Dream. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, okay. The more you know. Um, but yeah, no, I could see what he's going for. I just don't particularly care for. The crazy thing about Cody is that 
for the last year, year and a half, the guy has really done next to nothing. Like, he's done a lot of shit. Like, he was TNT champion for a while, on and off. He feuded with Shaq. He feuded with um, Scorpio Sky. You know, people like that. But you know what I mean? Like, not Scorpio Sky, but like Darby Allin. He feuded with Lance Archer for a little while. You know what I'm saying? He's just done a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, it was one of those things where he needed some direction. He finally got some direction in the feud that he has coming up next. And I guess this feud did give him direction with the factory, but it just wasn't very good direction. So I guess be careful what you wish for. But Marshall's terrible. He beat him decisively with three crossroads, smacked all four turnbuckle posts. Hopefully it's back to dark duty for the factory because I just couldn't give two shits about him. But we did find out later on what was next for the Nightmare family, uh, which was cool. So then after that, the AEW world champion Kenny Omega come out with Mm -hmm. Don Callis addressing his next opponent. A lot like last week where, I know you didn't watch that segment, but kind of challenging anyone in the locker room to step up to Kenny Omega in that AEW title. Because he was saying that he's beaten everyone, which isn't exactly accurate. You know, there's still a lot of people on the roster that he hasn't faced or beaten yet. But that's besides the point. The the funny thing about that is that actually the person who he hasn't... the person who he's already beaten, because he's beaten Adam Page before. They had a match of full gear, and he beat him to become the number one contender to the title. So he's actually already beaten Adam Page before. He hasn't beaten him while AEW champion, but he has beaten him before. Yeah. Whereas like a Christian Cage, he's never even faced before, never beaten him. But that's besides the point. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's stupid. Because I was going to say, I thought he's like faced everyone that makes sense to go for the title. But if he hasn't beaten Christian, then... Yeah, exactly. That can go for the title, like yeah, a Cody could, Rhodes. Yeah. Like, I mean, they've also had matches elsewhere, but that was years ago. And nonetheless, um, they wanted you to cheer for Adam Page in this spot. Like, they were chanting Hangman. And they did. Like, it was a rare case. Not a rare case. Maybe not in AEW, because in AEW, they kind of go with what's organic. Like, in a WWE, they may want you to hopefully cheer or chant for this person to come out, like a Roman Reigns, when he was still a babyface, and it just didn't happen. But we got that I'm here. Sorry. Or Drew, or, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, it worked before, now not exactly, but, um, you know, at least we'll find out when we get fans back. But in this spot, they wanted you to chant for Hangman, and he came out, eventually, um, saving the Dark Order from Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows and Nakazawa, or the fucking goof. The crowd went nuts for him. That was the thing. So Paige comes out, gets a monster reaction. Gets a monster reaction, lays out everyone in sight except for Hangman. And he had an opportunity to lay out Omega with the Buckshot Lariat, and he didn't do it. So he hits him with the Buckshot Lariat. Not not him with the Buckshot Lariat, but he hits everyone else with you know moves and whatever. They go face-to-face, and Omega walks off. He, he Hangman catches him before Omega can hit him with the title belt, and then he walks off. I thought this was really well done. It was a kind of a continuation off of last week's segment with Hangman and Omega, where Hangman didn't even come out. They never even said his name, but it was well understood who Omega and the Dark Order were referring to. Mm-hmm. And it goes off of what I was saying last week, where Hangman was too scared to step up. So now, he's not scared enough, like, he'll step up, but he doesn't want to fight Omega just yet. And I think this is perfect, because the pay-per-view isn't for another two months. They have plenty of time. Like, I think it's perfect. Yeah. So, I like that a lot. But um, what were your thoughts on the segment? I thought it was really cool. Um, The fans were, like, another element to it. Like, the fans really encompassed the entire thing um, and really made it that much more special. Just because, like, I just think it's so 
cool. Like this feud is very special because mm-hmm. it's been going on for a very long time. Like it it was it started a long time ago, like over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um they were champions for a while, tag team champions, and then like right at the beginning of the pandemic or something, they, you know, like they, they were, were teasing pla- tension before they even became I was, champions. I was just going to say, they were planting the seeds a while ago. Like They were chanting cowboy shit like in 2019 when he was really? being, acting like a drunk and stuff. Really? Yeah, and he was like, I think it was on Being Elite. I don't think it was on Dynamite. Where he went up to the Bucks and was like, I want to take myself out of the Elite because he had lost the pack. He lost to, um, uh, who else did he lose to? He lost to Jericho and he failed to become champion. So he was like depressed. And he was having issues with drinking, and that's when he kind of, you know, fell on bad times and whatever. And right before the pandemic, he was really popular. Yeah, exactly. And it's cool to see that momentum, and that was a year and a half ago. It I has know. carried over into the summer of 2021. That says a lot. That does say a lot. That that says, like, so much about him and how much of a star he is. Um, and I just think it's really cool that they this story is not over, and this story is still being told. Yeah. Like, two years later. There's people that... Don't even get cheered from month to month. But, I mean, he successfully went a year and a half maintaining that momentum pretty much the entire time. Yeah. And he's really, really over. That's yeah, very I, rare. I completely agree. I think the story's been very well told. The long-term storytelling. And they do do long... AEW does a lot of long-term storytelling. It doesn't exactly make it good long-term storytelling. But in this case, I think it's been perfectly executed. And I think it's safe to say that not... Fight for the Fallen or fucking Fighter Fest or whatever other shows they have coming up. They are not the place to do the title match. It is. It has to be at All Out. It absolutely, like, there's not even a question. Yeah. So hopefully we get that. Hopefully we will be there to see mm-hmm. it in person. Hopefully. And we get to see Hangman Adam Page get his crowning moment. So, yeah, I thought this was a great segment. And I like the fact that the Dark Order are sticking up for Hangman. They've seen him on hard times. They're kind of instilling this confidence in their friend. So I like that a lot. And, I mean, uh, we, we, you know, I complain anyway about how everyone in AEW has to have an ally or a friend or a partner, which is fucking dumb. But in this case, I like it because they can kind of, you know, step up to the plate for him when he doesn't exactly want to make the first move. Like, the Dark Order will do it for him because they have confidence in him that he can be the one to beat Omega for that championship. Mm-hmm. And he is the number one ranked wrestler in the company. And I like the fact they're finally starting to use the said fucking rankings because they've had the rankings since the start and they haven't exactly used them all too well up until recently. Mm-hmm. So I like that a lot. Um, They had a sit-down interview with Jim Ross, Darby Allen, Ethan Page, hyping up the coffin match which was supposed to happen this week. They bumped it to another week. We ended up finding out it's next week on uh, night one of Fighter Fest. Coffin match, Paige, Allen, Jim Ross sit-down interview here. Um, I thought this was really good. I don't know how much of this you caught, but you know the feud's been fine. It was another one of those feuds that, as we discussed, should have ended a little while ago. But it's not the same feud. It's not like we're getting another tag team rematch. It's a one-on-one match based off of established issues between Paige and Allen. And I thought it was this is probably some of the best mic work I've seen from both guys in recent memory. And it actually got me looking forward to next week's coffin match, aside from the fact that it is a casket match, which we've never seen in AEW before. Mm-hmm. So from of what you caught of this, what were your thoughts on it? I I'll agree with you. I think after seeing that, I part of me did think, even though I've already been told multiple times, especially yesterday, that it was gonna be next week. I was like, oh wow, like okay, it's definitely wait. next week, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. And then I'm not just delaying it for no, yeah. no. But I'm saying like I, I thought to myself, oh wow, I can't wait to see it tonight. And then I was kind of like, 
bummed when I found out it was next week or I remembered it was next week. So mm-hmm. that's a good indicator that it was it was a good segment. Yeah, no, I thought it was good. I'm looking forward to them doing it next week. Oh, we already, I was thinking to myself, did we talk about him doing the coffin drop into the coffin on the show or was that amongst ourselves? But we did discuss that yeah, yesterday. Yeah, that was on that was yesterday. Yeah. That was on the show where mm-hmm. um uh, where we thought that he should do the coffin drop into the coffin or he moves or whatever. Like he but, try he tries to do it to Ethan and then Ethan moves out of the way and then he's in there and then he shuts the door and he wins or something. Yeah, I mean if, if Alan wins then obviously can't do that finish, but if Ethan wins, how do you do anything but that finish? So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hopefully we'll see. Um but no, I thought this was good. Then we had, like, one of the lowlights of the show. Like, it wasn't bad, but it was kind of, like, paled in comparison to everything else on the show, in my opinion. That being the six-man tag team match. Santana, Ortiz, Jake Hager representing Inner Circle against Wardlow and FTR of the Pinnacle. We already got Hager and Wardlow one-on-one a few weeks ago inside the cage, which I honestly thought was kind of cool. Um, it's not something I want to see, like, done next month, but, you know, for what it was, I thought it was cool. This is one of those feuds where it actually, for me anyway, I know you haven't watched the last couple of weeks, they've managed to get me to care about the individual feuds in the Inner Circle Pinnacle shit. I don't want to see another multi-man match. I think we're done with that shit. Mm-hmm. Like the, the six-mans are kind of okay, even though we get a ton of those. I don't want to see another five-on-five match is what I'm saying. Um, or a six-on-six six if you include the managers, Conan and Tully Blanchard. Um, but I thought this was good. Wardlow pinned Jake Hager to kind of avenge the loss from inside the cage from a few weeks ago. Gives the heels an upper hand, and the match was fine. So I thought this was good. Really, the whole point of this was to build to FTR and Santana and Ortiz two-on-two at some point, which I think has the potential to be a lot of fun. So, again, from what you caught, your thoughts in the match and your overall thoughts and the continuation, yet again, of Inner Circle versus Pinnacle. Eh. Eh. It's all right. That um, sounded weird when I said it like that. <laughs> <laughs> That sounded stupid. Are you going to keep that in? I will probably keep that in. Okay. <laughs> I like to emphasize things that she said, so her saying eh and me emphasizing that probably was not the best way to go about that it. That did not sound... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that didn't exactly sound good. You get but, that uh, from RJ. I do. I not get, that I, noise. I mean, but, yeah, well, God, but... no. I hope not. Uh, we have shared a couple hotel rooms in our day. But... Oh, God. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Mr. Marceau's not here. He's probably like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, anyway, I'm, feel like I'm filling in for him by doing the Mr. Marceau-isms. Imagine if he's, like, listening to this, like, like he's got it on speaker or something. He's, like, <laughs> making breakfast or something, and he hears that. Molly's like, what are you listening to? And then Molly's <laughs> like, what do you mean he got that from you? <laughs> it was Vegas. It was one night. What happened to Vegas? Stays, Stays in Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> okay, wait. What Your were thoughts you? on Pinnacle versus, oh, oh, versus Ender Circle. Ah! Okay. Wow. Ah! Um, <laughs> eh. I'm not doing the it's noise. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> it was all right. I mean, I don't really care for their feud anymore. It's again, it's what I. To me, I don't really care if it's individual. I mean, it makes it a little bit better, but at at the end of the day, they're all still feuding with each other. And to me, they were like they did it backwards. Like they did all the individual feuds. After why didn't they no, do exactly. that before and then do all the the payoff afterwards? Like I don't understand. You don't start with war games and then build the individual matches from there. Especially no. when we've already seen Jericho and MJF before, which I'll get to in a second. No, I don't understand. And, no, that doesn't oh. make any sense. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, I was gonna say you have to talk about what happened. Well, yeah, that's the Jericho MJF segment. Okay, 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 okay. But yes, I think Santana Ortiz in FTR at some point is going to be a great match. Um, a lot of people have said credit to Solomon. I don't think he came up with the idea, but. Hi, Solomon, Monster. I think some people have, uh, um, you know, ha- have shared the same idea. 
that Santana Ortiz hopefully come out of this feud out on top. They beat FTR. FTR have not lost any two-on-two matches aside from when they lost the tag titles at full gear. So they've only lost one match in a year, like one regular tag team match on their own. They lose to Santana Ortiz, who then go on to win the AEW World Tag Team titles that have eluded them up to this point from the Bucks, with whom they have history, at the New York Dynamite in a couple of months. Which is only in September. It's not that far away. Is who, that something that would interest you? Who is winning this from the Bucks? That you would Santana think? Ortiz. They're from New York City. Mm-hmm. That first New York City Dynamite at <clears throat> Arthur Ashe Stadium, the tennis stadium that they're going to in late September. I think that'd be perfect. Unless there's another team that comes to mind. It's like, oh, they should be the team that throw in the box, but no one really comes to mind, in my opinion. Yeah, no one really. I mean... Currently. Yeah, I mean, I don't really hold that tag team in, like, the same caliber of, like, the Bucks, but that's not... That's because they haven't really been it's focusing on been... their tag team wrestling. They've been focusing on being a part of inner Exactly, circle. that's the problem. But I think now that they're kind of branching away from that, if only a little bit, I think that would be the perfect way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. There are so many teams. It's funny. There's so many teams in AEW, but honestly, no other one team stands out to me as being they should be the ones to take the tag team titles next. I I agree, and I think, like, their story, it kind of makes sense for them to finally be in that position, Mm -hmm. considering, like, how unlucky they've been as a tag team. And they haven't had any title shots, really, at all. They've maybe gotten one or two. Maybe just one, I think, earlier this year against mm-hmm. the Bucks and Dynamite. They lost, <clears throat> but that was back when the Bucks were faces and Santana and Ortiz were heels. So the roles are reversed. They would be in their hometown. I don't know if they're thinking that far ahead, but it is AEW, and they do have a tendency to do that. So I think there's a chance that could that could happen. So I don't know. I might come on here in two weeks and say that friggin' I don't know Jurassic Express should take the tag titles or something. And I love Jurassic Express, but clearly they're focused on their own singles endeavors right now like i said actually when the bucks took the titles i was thinking private party would be fucking sick because private party remember and they made i think they had a rematch like about a year ago but at the second ever dynamite that we went to private party beat the young bucks to advance in the tag team title tournament yeah they did they ended up losing the whole thing but the bucks never got that win back until like a year ago and i was thinking oh okay they're one and one in aew Maybe Private Party can be the one to take the tag titles. But they're heels now, so it wouldn't exactly make sense. And the Bucks are heels too, so it's kind of a weird dynamic. So I don't think that's where we're going with this, but that was an idea at one point. Uh, but speaking of Inner Circle, Pinnacle shit, we got a, not contract signing, but basically MJF laying out the terms for what he wants out of a Chris Jericho match. If Jericho really wants MJF one-on-one, he's got to jump through a couple hoops. But speaking of jumping, before we go any further with that, <laughs> they got someone jumping the barricade. And attacking or attempting to attack Jericho or MJF or both of them. I he don't just know. like tried to get in the ring. I mean, we didn't see all of that. We only saw a quick clip from what Dynamite showed. So all we the, saw was Jericho attacking the. Fan. Yeah, the camera was focused on Jericho because it was like the very tail end of his entrance, and he's coming into the ring, and then or he's just like standing there or something, and the camera is like zoomed into him. And you just see him punch this guy and, like, push him off the ring, like, three times. Mm-hmm. And he looks... The whole time, he looked so, like, genuinely pissed off mm-hmm. that that happened. And and then MJF made, like, a comment that, like, if any of you fat bastards try to come in here, I'll kick your ass, too, or something like that. So, clearly, they both, you know, laid him out a little bit. Yeah. they No, they clearly were... They were talking shit about him, and, which was funny. 
And um, Jericho does not hold back with that shit. Like, he's an no. old school guy. If someone came in the ring, he would knock their fucking block off. And he attempted to do that, so. I mean, honestly, he kind of should because you don't know what they're going to do. Like the No, guy, like the Bret Hart guy. The, exactly. The Bret Hart guy, didn't he have a knife? Or something. He had something with him. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he I was think he had a knife. Try to kill him or something. I don't know. And he like knocked him out, or he like pushed him down. He he like tackled Bret Hart. Yeah, but I think he it could obviously been a lot worse. Like you never know. They could either just stand there in the ring and do nothing. Yeah. And laugh and just be stupid. Just be or, on the show. Yeah. Or they could try and like shoot them down and kill them. Yeah. Like, you never know. You never know. It hasn't happened yet, but that doesn't mean it couldn't. It won't ever happen. You know. Yeah. It's it's scary. It was scary. So don't be stupid. We got a lot of dumb, you know, fans out here. Um, but no, I thought the overall segment was solid. I, again, this is where, like, I like the Santana Ortiz FTR idea of a match at some point. We're clearly getting Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears. They had a little thing in the back. Whoop the fucking do. Who cares about Sean Spears? <laughs> Jericho and MJF. They've already done before. They did it at full gear. So it's like, and MJF brought in uh, brought up in the segment too that he's beaten Jericho. Twice before. He he beat him in Blood and Guts, but he also beat him at Full Gear. So does he beat him three times? Like, Jericho's lost almost all of his singles matches on pay-per-view for the last year and a half. So, like, does he lose again is the question? Like, I that's what I'm struggling to understand here. Um, I don't know. I like the segment. I like the setup they had said, or MJF had declared that Jericho has to jump through hoops, meaning that he has to face four opponents of his choosing. I don't know if they're members of the Pinnacle because he had brought up how John Moxley had to face every member of Inner Circle before Revolution last year. Um, I don't know if they would be members of the Pinnacle or it would just be random people. I think it's going to be random people, if I had to take a guess. And of, then, of MJF's choosing. Yes, with different stipulations for each match. And then the fifth match would be a stipulation of MJF's choosing. I believe. So they're clearly doing Jericho and MJF again at All Out. I just don't understand what the end game is here. What does MJF gain from beating Jericho again? And what is... I mean, I feel like Jericho... MJF has more to lose from losing to Jericho than Jericho does to gain. And that makes sense. Does that make Explain sense? Explain that again. Like, Jericho... If he beats MJF... Okay, like... Cool. Like, does anyone really care? You know what I mean? Yeah. And Jer- MJF should not be losing, in my opinion, to Jericho at this point in time. And then what do you do with MJF Yeah, I there? agree with that. If MJF wins... That's a big win, but the thing is, he's already beaten him before. Exactly. So it's not like it's really anything monumental. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. What were your thoughts in the segment, aside from the fan jumping in the ring? I thought it was good. I I loved their banter. Like, they clearly were both so annoyed about what happened that they used that anger Yeah, and no, that was good. They didn't, just, they didn't just ignore it. Yeah, I like They that. didn't ignore it, but they didn't also, like obsess over it yeah which which was good and then it was also cool because they were very good at they captivated the fans so the to the point where the fans kind of like i told you i forgot that even happened yeah later on because of later stuff that happened and that segment was it was very solid yeah i thought it was a solid segment it set the stage for what's to come between the two of them so um yeah just don't be a fucking dumbass and jump in the ring that's really all i gotta say about that so then after that segment, we had Andrade's in-ring debut against Matt Seidel. I always get him mixed up with Mike Seidel because Matt and Mike sound so similar. Matt Seidel against Andrade El Idolo. Um, good little match here. Not a barn burner. It was only five or six minutes long. Mostly Andrade on offense. Came out to new music, of course. Came out with Vicky. Fuck that. He has a manager or like a an assistant or something. He came out with some other guy, which I thought was cool. 
And um, yeah, that was pretty much it. So any any uh, impressions of uh, Andrade's um, in-ring debut here? Pretty much what it needed to be, I guess. Couldn't really hear the theme song too well. I didn't really like the it's theme not, song. It's not um, El Idolo. Like, I love that Should have said, song. Andrade El Idolo, <laughs> instead of just El Idolo. Yeah. It was, it was all right. Like, I didn't, it was what it was. I have high hopes for him. I think he's going to be a really big star. I think it'll I, be fun. I like the entrance, I will say that. What? Not the theme, but like, the mask and the suit. Oh, and... yeah, that was very cool. And I think, I think he has potential to be a world champion. I think so, too. I think... My issue with that, though, not the world champion thing, is that if he's going to get to that level, he needs a manager and he needs a mouthpiece. And but Vicky it, Guerrero is not that I was person. just going to say, but not her. But not fucking Vicky Guerrero. Because no. she's um, terrible. So hopefully they can give him a new mouthpiece. What about Teatri... Oh, never mind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. No, she's oh, gone. she came running back. And she went crawling back to WWE. Um, that's her own thing. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I know there was a woman from from MLW called uh, Selena De La Rente. She was in MLW, and uh, she left recently. So I think she kind of fits the mold a little bit better, in my opinion, than Vicky does. Vicky's just so fucking annoying. But, um, no, I thought this was good. And um, Andrade's got a uh, top potential. So I think he's off to a solid start so far. And he is still facing, I believe, Kenny Omega for the AAA Mega Championship, that one of the titles that Kenny Omega has in Mexico. Mm-hmm. He's facing him for that title in late August. Oh, that's and th- cool. There's a very good chance that he is going to beat him for that title. Um, and it won't be an AEW TV. It's in the AAA promotion. But I could totally see that you know happening at some point. Uh, oh, not even at some point. I could totally see him beating um, Omega for that title in late August. So speaking of Taya Trinidad, Zelina Vega... She ended up going back to WWE, as we just alluded right there. On SmackDown, she resurfaced in the promotion, which led to a, which led to a lot of speculation that Aleister Black could be on his way back as well. And clearly, he's not. Aleister Black, obviously, was not going back to WWE, in my opinion, despite his wife going back. Based off how they treated him in his departure, there was no chance that it was going to happen. At least not anytime soon. And he made that clear in his recent Twitch stream that he was not going back to WWE. Some people said, at least not anytime soon. Some people said it was bullshit. Of course you're going back. If your wife's there, why wouldn't you be there? Blah, blah, blah. WWE was trying hard to get Aleister, Aleister Black excuse me, back in WWE. Clearly didn't work. Shouldn't have fired him in the first place. Shouldn't have fucking fired him in the first place. And in my opinion, it's a different story than the whole... Samoa Joe thing, because at least he's in NXT, he's doing something different, he's behind the scenes too. They didn't just hire him back to be a wrestler. Like, that was a totally different thing. And people are going to have their thoughts on that. Um, Black, they fired him as a performer, and they wanted to bring him back as a performer on the exact same show in which he got fired from. So why would you fire him in the first place? Exactly. They've done that before where they've, like, had people and promised they were never going to fire them, and then they just get rid of them in, like, right like that. No, nothing. So, ever, yeah, there's no. They don't there's nothing promises. stopping them from firing him like the next week or yeah, the next could, yeah. day or the, or a year from then. There's a chance that Zelina Vega could be gone again within the next year or two. I mean, it happens. This stuff happens Probably. all the time. I mean, EC3 they brought back and they fired him after a year or two. So it really wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for um, Zelina to be let go as well. Hopefully not. Hopefully she does find success. But he did not go back. Instead, he went to AEW, and we all kind of expected that was the possibility that AEW would want him. 
I didn't think he was showing up this soon. So we had an in-ring promo with Arn Anderson talking for all of 15 seconds before the lights went out. The lights went out at the beginning of the show during the strap match. They came back on, nothing happened. We thought it was like just a botch or something. Yeah, I think everyone thought it was a botch. I thought it was well done because it's like, okay, that's weird. And I'm thinking, okay, it's got to be leading to something maybe. Like maybe they'll continue to do this with Cody in the coming weeks. No, they just they just did it on night one. Which I'm glad they did because honestly, this was not reported. I wasn't on Twitter beforehand, but this was not reported at all. This was not like, oh, he's backstage at Dynamite or he's going to be showing up tonight. And he revealed his new in-ring name, Messiah, not Messiah. Malachi. Malachi Black on Instagram earlier in the day, which really should have tipped a lot of people off that maybe there's a chance he could show up. But I don't think a lot of people thought that was the case because, of course, you have a 90-day no-compete clause. Of course. Why wouldn't you? But the thing is, is that he fucking didn't. Per PW Insider, um, they never updated his non-compete clause from NXT. <laughs> so his non-compete was 30 days. And he got fired 35 days ago. So he was able to show up on AEW as soon as he did. He was It was timed perfectly. It was. With the first live show on the road. It couldn't have been, like, per- more perfect. Like, it completely came out of nowhere. Um... His eye from what? Still Seth? selling the eye from, uh, uh, I think it was Murphy, actually. Murphy, oh. And he was oh, also yeah. a free agent. So he tweeted, he's like, oh, very cool, Tommy End. Maybe I'll see you soon or something like that, question mark. He was the one who caused the black eye in the storyline. Yeah. Ray, Rollins gave Ray the initial eye injury, and then Murphy, out of loyalty to Rollins, did it to Black. Mm-hmm. So, just saying. Yeah, that would be super cool. I mean, he can't show up for a couple more months, but yeah. There's really? That. Well, I mean, his non-compete, unless they didn't update his, is September, so. When did they fire him? The same day they fired Aleister Black. Oh, so we have two two months. Oh, yeah. Yeah, until All Out. Wow. But, September's yes. in two months? Wow. Yeah, All Out is in less than two months. But to answer your question, or to, to go off of what you said, yes, he's still selling the eye injury from the whole Murphy angle over a year ago. Very cool. Very cool. I That completely came out of nowhere. And I think it's really cool that he also, like, is going to be feuding with Cody. Mm-hmm. Like he, That's a great first feud for him because Cody's also been winning a lot lately, too. And he's Cody in the way that they... Well, yeah, he's beloved and whatever, so... Like, all the fans love him and yeah. the, the way they kind of treat him on the totem pole. I mean, his the people he chooses to wrestle are very low on the totem pole. Yeah. Um, but... They do still see him as, like, he's one of the executives, he's one of the... Yeah, like, he's a cornerstone of the company, yeah. Yeah, exactly, so that's very impressive. Yeah, no, I think... And, like, right when he comes comes out. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, he comes in, has a prominent feud right out of the gate, does black, and what are your thoughts on the Malachi Black in-ring name? I like it. I know Tommy End is what he was known as, Excalibur referenced him as uh, Tommy End, He's a very creative guy. He reminds me of Bray Wyatt a lot in he that does, sense. He does, he does. So clearly he has a lot of ideas for what he wants this character to be. Whatever he's doing, it's... I mean, this screams to me whatever he was going to do in WWE before they let him go. It, it definitely... To it, the extreme. It. I, I agree with you. It reminds me of the Dark Father thing. Yeah. Which I also loved, and I loved what was supposed to be his new theme. It was so good. That might be his music. We'll find out very quickly. Yeah. If he was playing it on his Twitch stream, that tells me... I mean, I don't know why WWE would be working with someone if they didn't own the theme. But what if Alistair was working on the theme 
And that's his music. Not not him himself, but like he was working with someone on the yeah. song. So WWE doesn't own it. We'll find out very quickly whether that's the case or not. Yeah. I hope it is, right. but we'll see. Um, I don't really like the name Malachi, but I like Tommy End more just because it, it has a better ring to it. But mm-hmm. I like how it kind of sounds like Aleister Black. Yeah. Like the, going off of Black, yeah. Going off of Black and Malachi, Alistair, like they both have the same syllables. They have that same sound to it, kind it of. Sounds like they'd be brother and brother or something. It sounds like they, it sounds like they'd be siblings. Alistair, Malachi. I think it's cool. I don't I'm, mind it. I'm very, very excited to see where his character's going to go. And I said to you the other day, because they were like, oh, that's not Tommy End. That's Malachi Black. Like Excalibur said that, yeah. Like he was like, he's completely changed. Like he kind of was alluding to the fact that. He's the same person. Oh yeah, but no, he's, he's not. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a different like realm of himself, like Bray Wyatt. So that's definitely like I hope they kind of go into that. And he has like a fiend type character, um, like he has that darker part of himself that's taking over mm-hmm. after everything that's ensued. Um, so yeah, I have very high hopes. I'm so excited to see what he does next. Hopefully, whatever his creativity consists of, hopefully it's not too. For example, I love Matt Hardy. I enjoy the broken stuff. The teleportation shit that he was doing last year, I I didn't have a problem with it. A lot of people did. Like what? Remember the teleport? He was in, it was like the first appearance that he had on the show. Oh, and he would be like one place. Yep, and then- yep. And Jericho was in the ring. And remember the shot was fucking terrible. <laughs> it was, it was shot terribly. Because remember Jericho was in the ring and it was like, it was a windy day out. So like you would see Matt here, 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 and here. And then from one shot to the next, Jericho's hair would be, like, blowing in the wind, and the next it wouldn't be. Oh. I don't know if you remember that or not. I don't remember the wind part, but I remember what you're talking about. Well, it was, it was whatever. His hair would be one place. Like, it was like, dude, okay, clearly he's not tell. I mean, obviously teleportation isn't real anyway, as far as we know. But, like, it, it was stupid. A lot of people did not like it. And it, and it's hard to defend that shit and then poop on, like, the Alexa Bliss shit. Like, the, the supernatural garbage they're doing in I, WWE. I was just going to say, that's the same exact that's kind, thing. It's very similar. I, I think Aleister Black is like Bray Wyatt in that he's very tasteful. Like, he he's very good with, like, how he presents his aesthetic. So, I, I think, I don't think he'll do that. He, I don't think, I'm hoping it's not too supernatural-ish and it's just more, I don't like, think he's dark. Gonna, I don't I think know. he's going to do that. He gives me the same vibe as Bray Wyatt and I, like... Well, Bray Wyatt's also done a lot of dumb supernatural stuff, though. Like what? They've had him, you know, summon lightning. They've had well, him they've teleport. Well, they've had him do that. He didn't choose to do that. Well, I would hope not. But, like, he's, they've had him do a lot of dumb things, whether it was his idea or not. Um, I'm not saying everything that Bray Wyatt has done has been dumb, but the WWE likes to put their spin on it, and it's fucking trash. Well, exactly. It's Hopefully not, that's not there in it's AEW. Not, it's not him doing that. Like, I don't think for a second that he chose to do stupid shit like that. I mean, it depends, honestly. Some th- I mean, again, every genius has their flaws. I mean, Matt Hardy came up with the teleportation shit, and it wasn't really that good, so... And he later admitted, yeah, that probably wasn't the best thing to do. Like... I think, like, Bray Wyatt would have the puppets, like, in the backstage shots, and nothing was said about it. Like, it was just acted like... Yeah, no, that was cool. That that was cool. Like, the Firefly Funhouse, to a degree, was mostly his idea. Probably the whole thing. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like... Not not all bad things are their fault, and not all good things are his idea. Like... 
for, I don't know how long he was out for before the Firefly Funhouse thing, like maybe a year or something. I don't know. Really he was know. out for like a year, yeah. Okay. So he was on Twitter before that, tweeting and hinting at his character, hinting at, like he, he's, if he does shit like that, he's all about realism and really immersing it. And like, he gets really into character. I don't mm-hmm. think for a second that he would do something that kind of ha- makes it hard to suspend your disbelief. Like, I think, I think he's pretty good at stuff like that. If he could do what he did on Twitter for like a literal year and plant seeds about his character. I uh, hope. Just like, just like Alistair Black. I think Alistair Black is going to be, I think he's going to be good in that regard. Hopefully. I'm hoping that he doesn't do anything too outlandish to the point where people are like, okay, this is, maybe you shouldn't give people creative freedom. Like he was saying in a recent interview, like on a Twitch or whatever it was, Alistair or Malachi, whatever. That when he was doing, not the Dark Father thing, but when he was doing the whole, I'm begging for a fight Ugh. shit, the lighting in the room would indicate who he was facing next. I think that's what he was talking about. So, like, if there was a blue, if there was purple lighting, he was indicating he was going to face someone from the Cruiserweight division, and it was going to be Murphy. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but that's basically oh. what he was alluding at. I'm like, I, I thought that was pretty that's cool. That's cool. And people were, like, pooping on it. It's like, okay. Okay, I don't think that's a bad idea. No, I thought that was kind of cool. But, you know, hopefully it works out. I think he's a great fit for AEW. And I think Malachi Black is going to be a star in AEW if they book him properly. I think he's perfect in AEW. I think he's going to do great things. I really do, too. Hopefully it pans out. And so far, so good. I thought the debut was great. It couldn't have been better. Completely agree. Mixed tag team match, Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander versus The Bunny and The Blade. Really not much to say about this. Uh, Cassidy and Statlander won. Orange is really popular, and that, that's about it. Yeah, it was what it was. <laughs> it was what it was. You like the Orange Cassidy song. You enjoy the song. Yeah, before he used it. I guess. I'm not all, I'm not completely off the Orange Cassidy bandwagon. I do complain about him quite a bit here on the show. My issue is that the booking, like, he'll, he was literally in the world title match a month ago. A double or nothing. And now he's facing, let me check my notes, the fucking Blade and the Bunny. It just doesn't make any... The, the, the inconsistency with the character is my issue with it. I know. Is he a comedy guy or is he a world title challenger? You can't, you can't be all over the place every other month. I know, I agree. He's not that established to where it would work. Jericho does that a lot, but Jericho is established, so I don't know. That I don't really understand. Um, so after that, I think was the main event, I'm pretty sure. Or no, wait, actually before that we had an appearance from Dan Lambert of... Uh, um, oh, American yeah. top team with two UFC fighters, including Amanda Nunez, which is cool. Um, he was in the ring cutting a great promo, gets interrupted and attacked by Lance Archer. Short and sweet promo. I, I mean, I thought this was a great little segment. He gets Archer on the show, um, attacks Dan Lambert. He took a fucking bump, which was cool. I'm going to um, be honest. I want him in, I want him as someone's manager. I, I, I feel like this is the beginning of something new. I really like that guy. He was really good. I feel like he was too good for this just to be a one-off. And I saw speculation from a couple of people. Maybe he'll be brought in to manage someone. Maybe he's coming in to manage like an MMA fighter. Oh my God, that'd be sick. You know what I mean? Against Lance Archer, who which would work because he's a big guy and Archer also needs something to do. So I think that could work. Who that I, person is is the question. I know. I, I like when I heard him talking. He just he was talking about the fighters, and then he literally just said a whole lot of nothing. I feel like. And no, then, he didn't. He was shitting on AEW like he was putting them over, and then he was just pooping on the audience. No, I know, but he, he basically, like, 
no one asked his opinion. Like he was just supposed to stand there. Then they jumped in the and he all <laughs> of a sudden he took some, he took the mic from Shivani within like ten seconds. Poor Tony. But <laughs> they they like like no one asked him to speak and he could say anything. Like yeah. it he's like one of those people where you give him a straw, okay, do a promo off of this, and he could just talk for hours and encapsulate the entire audience. Like mm-hmm. or captivate the entire audience like he's so he was really good like i could i could hear him talk all day yeah he was great so i'm hoping he will be brought back him getting attacked by lance archer i wasn't even thinking about this i'm thinking oh it's a cool one-off gets archer in the show big pop whatever i i'm thinking knowing how AEW works they could be building to something with archer and lambert and, and someone else yeah he was he was too good to not come back again yeah it's he not should definitely again. come back the question is who. Yeah. So Amanda Nunez is not going to happen. I don't think she's facing Lance Archer. <laughs> the, other, the other guy is a pretty prominent UFC fighter. Um, I don't know if he would be interested in doing that. Maybe. I mean, the thing is, though, if they were interested like in backing him up, why wouldn't he just jump in the ring and go defend him if it was going to be him? The guy, the other yeah. guy, not Amanda. The other, the other guy that was. Like, yeah, because then yeah. they would have them like face off for a second. I know, like he was in the fucking crowd. Like, you, you not care about your coach type thing? I don't know. That was weird. So I'm hoping that it wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. I've seen people throw out the names. Cain Velasquez. I, I literally knew you were going to say that. I don't know how I feel about that after the WWE run was a bust. I don't know. They they were actually, they were interested in him when he first, like, when he was deciding to come to wrestling was Kane, mm-hmm. And WWE just offered him more money. So he went there and said, AEW wanted him too. How many people have said Brock Lesnar? I've seen a couple people okay, mention Brock Lesnar. Because that would be fucking sick. That obviously would Brock Lesnar listen. That I, would not happen. It's not that it, I don't I don't think it would happen. It would be fucking insane if it happened. I don't know if anything is really out of the realm of possibility at this point with this company, but I mean some things are, but. I mean, it kind of makes sense because this guy is a great talker. He like him is like the Paul Hammond to Brock Lesnar would be sexy. It's different. It's something different. Like it because think about it. Like what is he going to go back to the to WWE just to do the same exact thing? It's fucking boring. Like what if he's kind of bored of it right now and he just wants some extra money? Imagine that. Imagine that he's not coming back to do SummerSlam because he's actually already in talks to do something with AEW. Could you imagine? Like just like a one-off thing. Like that's that would be and Lance Ar- Lance Archer is a huge guy. Like, he's very tall. Don't get your hopes up, but it does make a lot of no, sense. No, no, I'm not getting... Trust me, I already know it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm just defending the idea. Holy shit, that would be great. It's not going to happen, but... No, it's not going to happen. It would be unreal if it did, but... If he's managing an MMA fighter, potentially... What about Sam Punk? Bill Brooks! Is Sam he's Punk- had two fights in the UFC! <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? I have nothing to say Th- to that's that. That's cool to He... Comes out in Chicago. <laughs> it's happening. Book it. All right, it's already happening. Hashtag Phil Brooks versus Lance Archer. Book it. That would be so bad. Why? What? <laughs> How would that be bad? CM Punk. I love the guy, but that would make he no would sense. he would get squashed. Realistically, yes. Yes. By Lance Archer, that'd be stupid. I don't think AEW would be dumb enough to do that. It's got to be someone big. Assuming this even goes anywhere, we could be talking about nothing for literally five minutes here, and it could have literally just been a one-off. But knowing AEW and knowing how well this guy works, this guy Dan Lambert, it wasn't any loser. Like, it wasn't any just random guy that got in there and got his ass kicked. Like, this is a guy that could be a manager. It's like the Pat McAfee stuff. This guy is literally the Pat McAfee of AEW. That's what that, I mean, I don't think he's going to wrestle, but he did wrestle on Impact. 
that's how good this guy is. This guy Dan Lambert. So he's a great talker. He feel he that's a great comparison. He really does feel like the Pat McAfee of AEW if they continue with it. Yeah. I think Which they should. Which they'd be fools not to, and I think they should too. I yeah. think they should, and, and fantasy booking here, I think Brock Lesnar would be the perfect guy from, you know, to manage, but that would never happen. It's not going to happen. But we're just But what gonna, if it did? But what if it did? What if it did? What if it did, guys? Game Velasquez? Comment down below. Oh my God. It's going to be on Apple Podcasts. We're like, <laughs> comment down below, guys. I, mean, I think you can't technically comment on Apple Podcasts. You can? I think. Okay, if, comment. If you're listening on your phone, you can, but. Okay, comment down below, guys. Comment on my. Twitter. I'm verified, by the way. Check mark <laughs> at WrestleMania. Okay. Anyways, main event. Main event. AEW World Tag Team Titles on the line. Young Bucks, Eddie Kingston, Penta Hacer Miel. Uh, street fight for the tag team titles. Great stuff here. You only caught some of the match, but of what you saw, what were your thoughts on it? Oh, uh, sorry, yawned. That didn't sound like a yawn. It sounded like I was faking it. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah, that was a yawn. Okay. <laughs> Your thoughts on the main event? <laughs> it was good. Okay. I fell asleep for half of it, but it was... We, we know. I was so tired. You guys, it was like... Cool, 12... brother. It was one Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 1230. Um, wait, I gotta think. Thank God the Bucks shaved their porn stashes. I don't like that they shaved their facial hair. They look like... The stashes were terrible. They look like sweet potatoes. Okay, they'll, they'll grow it back. Don't they worry. They look ugly. Who cares? I what mean, are your thoughts on the match? <laughs> <laughs> I actually brought it up over your. I thought <laughs> it was all right. I mean, it was what it was. I didn't really pay attention, so I don't. I don't really have room to judge on it because I didn't really pay attention to it. They were using thumbtacks at the end. They shoved yeah, thumb, thumbtacks in someone's mouth. I liked their outfits. Yeah, they had cool outfits. I like the jorts. Yeah, they have cool jorts. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, uh, for the street fight element of it. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie Kingston and, coming out in the Terry Funk shirt was cool. Yeah, yeah I thought that was it was cool. cool. Wow, we said it at the same we time. We did. Yeah. Just like we said bye, they have a hashtag together, too. Yeah, we did. We played anniversary. that. ASMR. Okay, that's weird. Stop. <laughs> what? I did it last time. Yeah, that's bizarre. I forgot to cut that out, too. <laughs> Don't cut this one out. I'll leave that one. <laughs> okay, that was it. That was my... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, yeah, I thought it was a good match. Bucks retained, still tag team champions. My only issue with it was that I felt that... You didn't see the ending, but they cheated the win... Anderson and Gallows were out there. I was thought I, I thought Moxley might come out because he is wrestling next week. That, but I thought he would return here. It was like a surprise mm-hmm. to help even the odds, but he didn't. He was at home being a dad, and that was it. The Bucks retained, and they just kind of walked off, and they went off the air abruptly. So it was kind of a flat finish because I knew the Bucks would probably retain. But you want like a feel good moment to end the show with as your first show on the road, and they didn't have that. Um, but it was a great match, though. I really can't complain. Closing out what I thought was a very good show. I thoroughly enjoyed this Dynamite, the Road Rager edition, their first episode on the road um, in Miami, which was cool. So, um, yeah, once again, your overall thoughts, Alexis, on the Road Rager edition of Dynamite. Fantastic show. I think they should definitely focus on doing um, more shows kind of like that, and they are, and especially because they have fans, it's going to be a lot better. So, um, yeah, I thought they did a great job. I thought they did a great job, and I'm looking forward to... Next week's on night one of Fighter Fest. Night two of Fighter Fest in two weeks. We got Fight for the Fall in three weeks. They got a stacked month coming up. And if this show is any indication of what's to come this summer, um, it's going to be good. And this is also the first summer that they're even running Dynamite. Because remember, they had Dynamite last summer, but it was during the pandemic, no fans. The summer before that, there was no Dynamite. So this is like the first real summer of AEW, um, which is cool. I mean, their first summer was in 2019, but like in terms of weekly Dynamites, 
in the summer. This is it. So, um, yeah, good stuff here. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I look forward to next week. Uh, we're going to end it there. Um, I was going to say, like I said earlier, oh, we'll get thoughts in WWE, but nothing really happened on Raw. So, like, I don't even remember what did happen. I don't um, either. Another New Day uh, beat Bobby and MVP. I remember that. It's decent. Kofi beat MVP, pinned him. You're sitting over there silent, nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, wow. I don't know, it was a good show, but like, Dynamite blew it out of the water. And I also thoroughly enjoyed Great American Bash too. We'll get more thoughts on that stuff from Mr. Marceau next week, so stay tuned for that. He will be back, hopefully, next uh, next Thursday here on the show. And I thought it was the perfect time. I'm sorry I gave you the boom, Mr. Marceau. He was asking, oh, can we record later on Thursday or on Friday? I'm like... I'm thinking to myself, well, it is our anniversary, so if there's, uh, you know, just to kind of get this over with so I don't have to record it tomorrow, um, it's as good of a time as any to have you here on the show, so I appreciate yeah. you coming on. And the best thing about this, unless you come on again in the coming weeks or months or whatever, we did a show together, not the last show we did together, not the last show we did together, but one of the last WrestleRant radios we did together was um, in October of 2019 when you came on. And we were doing an on-the-road edition, for the first-time edition, of WrestleRant Radio, coming out of Dynamite. The second-ever Dynamite. Remember that we recorded the review of the show in the car on the way home from Dynamite in Boston. Oh, that was two years ago. Almost, almost, Yeah, almost two years ago. Yeah. So I bring that up because we're going again to Dynamite, almost exactly two years later, in October again, this time of 2021, in Boston with one Mr. Marceau. So maybe we'll do an uh, on-the-road episode again at that point. Get your thoughts on the show in person. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been to one indie event so far this year. We've been to one WrestleMania. We were there in Tampa. And uh, more shows to come, hopefully all out. So um, I look forward to the next one. Yeah, I'm excited. If you want to check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio, you can do so by uh, checking us out at WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast and Podbean. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode every single Thursday. Alexis, once again, happy anniversary. Love you. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Happy anniversary. Love you. For Alexis, we'll catch your ass down the road.